What up, what up, Meepsters? This is Ryan Rainbro, and if you're hearing this, that means you're about to listen to one of the 99 free episodes of the Meep Meep podcast available wherever you cast pods. But keep in mind that there are new and unreleased episodes of the show on patreon.com slash meetmeetpod. So you'll want to sign up there to hear future episodes and also other side projects like Choo Choo, the show about soundtracks and contribute suggestions for future episodes as well. Will I listen to your suggestion? <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Patreon.com slash meetmeetpod. Bye! Welcome to Meet Meet, the Roadrunner podcast, where we go through the albums of Roadrunner Records with the artists that made them and those that they influenced. Let's roll! I think a friend of mine said to me she was skiing someplace, and she phoned somebody back home and said, listen, can you hear that? I said, no, I can't hear it. She said, really? So what is it? She said, I'm, I'm so high I can hear heaven. You know, because somebody was standing on a mountaintop. And I love that. I'm so high I can hear heaven. And then I just took that line, you know, from that conversation, from the story, and, uh, and started the song. What up, what up, Meepsters? I'm Ryan Rainbow, and that was Chad Kroger of the band Nickelback describing the opening line for the song Hero off the 2002 Roadrunner Records release, Spider-Man, the original motion picture soundtrack, in the least convincing story of all time. First of all, he starts it off with, I think I asked my friend who went uh, skiing somewhere. She was on the phone and uh, asked her friend if on the phone if they could hear heaven. Listen, um, this song came out in 2002, okay? It's 2022 now, and if I go to my mailbox, I lose reception on my cell phone. So I have a hard time believing that Chad's friend was on a mountaintop and not only was able to make a phone call, but also thought that their friend, who they were on the phone with, could hear whatever they were hearing. So somebody was high enough to hear heaven, but it wasn't from the Rocky Mountaintops, all right? But you know, regardless of what edibles Chad was on when he was writing this song, it's a smash. I love it. Hero off the Spider-Man soundtrack, and it features a hero of mine, none other than Mr. Josie Scott, formerly of the band Saliva, renegade out on his own now. You know, often I'm, uh, I'm accused of being a millennial. But I identify as a click-click boomer, so it was a real treat to get to talk to Josie about this song. You know, Hero, in 2002, it's hard to remember sometimes, but was just inescapable. It was a top 10 song in almost a dozen countries, nominated for several Grammys, including Best Rock Song in 2003, the following year. And this is right on the heels of Nickelback blowing up. So Chad Kroger from Nickelback and Josie Scott from Saliva, two bands that are huge at this time, they come together and they make this song. Jerry Cantrell, a meepster in his own right, who this same year, 2002, put out the album Degradation Trip, was originally actually supposed to do the guitar leads on this song, but friend of the show, Tyler Connolly of Theory of a Dead Man fame, was who actually ended up being on the recording, as well as Matt Cameron of Pearl Jam. 
When they went to shoot the video, though, it was Tyler. Uh, and instead of Matt Cameron, there was Jeremy Taggart of the band Our Lady Peace, who at this time had that that hit song where they were talking about a girl with purple hair. And if you had purple hair at this time, you know what song I'm talking about. Somewhere out there. That's what I'm talking about. And Michael Kroger of Nickelback was on bass. But the song, you know, it's a, it's got a poignant message. It's talking about, uh, you know, instead of waiting around for something to happen, you take matters into your own hands. They say that a hero will save us, but I'm not going to stand here and wait. And I can identify, you know. I've been to the gas station before and then not have the rock star energy drink flavor that I'm looking for. What do I do, just sit around waiting for the delivery truck to come? No. I hop on Amazon, help out the little guy, and order a case directly to my house. It's there before I get home. Does that make me a hero? Maybe. Does that mean I wear a cape? Absolutely. Does Josie Scott wear a cape? I I see him more of a like a Wild West duster kind of guy. But Josie Scott, that's who we're talking to today. One of my favorite people in the world. Truly. You know I like telling you when I don't like somebody, but I love Josie Scott. So he was nice enough to sit down, talk to me about making this song tell us all about the background on it little little wrestling talk you know i had to get some wrestling talk in there and uh what's coming up next for mr scott so i bid you adieu and without further ado here's joseph scott I had uh, toured extensively with Nickelback and uh, Saliva at that point. We had done um, most of the United States together, and we had done most of Europe together. Um, The first time I, I got to do a European tour was with Nickelback and Three Doors Down, I believe, and it was just an amazing tour. I'd never, like I said, never been to Europe. So I was able to see Paris and, uh, you know, parts of Italy and, uh, beautiful parts of Germany. Um, I was almost born in Germany. Uh, my father was stationed in Munich when my mother was pregnant with me and, uh, my grandfather was murdered and they had to come home for that funeral. So I was born in Memphis, but had they stayed and my grandfather not been killed, I would have been born in Munich. I would have been a citizen of Munich, Germany. So I was interested in seeing Munich and some of the history of Germany. And we went to Dachau, uh, one of the concentration camps with Nickelback and, oh my gosh, man, just one of the most moving overwhelming emotional experiences I've ever had in my life. I mean, I was just, it's still just talking about it. It's a very emotional thing to even speak of. It was just, you know, just, it was horrific to see what, what was done to, to people in those camps and, and to see the, the different bays in the museum of, children's shoes and just it was just broke my heart but it was wonderful uh to get to see europe and see the history and uh the different architectures and uh 
to see how Germany uh, has rebuilt itself and um, you can see some of the old architecture and then you'll see new, new, new architecture, then old, then new, new, new and old. So you can actually see where bombs took out most of the old architecture that nobody will ever know about uh, because it was, you know, Germany was bombed to the floor, of course. And um, just to see all that was overwhelming to me. I'm a big history buff and history and architecture and art. Uh, I just really loved being over there in Europe. We really didn't talk about it then. It was more after we got back to the States. um, And most of it was Lior Cohen uh, called, um, I believe, Brian. And then uh, Lior got a hold of me and was like, I want to get you together with Chad Kroger. We're we're going to, I'm going to put my best man with Roadrunner's best man, and we're going to make a hit. And I was like, yes, sir, let's do it. And uh, next thing you know, I was on a plane to Vancouver, which I've never, I had never been to Canada. I've been several times since then, but had never been to Canada at the time. And, was just blown away how awesome Vancouver was. And uh, Chad and the guys picked me up from the airport and we uh, went to a studio and uh, we started to talk about um, doing a song together. And um, we were, he wanted to do at first, it was interesting because at first he wanted to do, like something that was a derivative of of a click click boom and i was like well i was like that's cool and everything and, and i'm into that but i've already done that so let's do something that nobody expects let's do something um, that nobody sees coming. And uh, he goes, well, I got this one song. He goes, it's kind of like a skeleton of a song. And he goes, but the guys don't think it's a Nickelback song. I was like, well, play it. Let's, let's hear it. And he played me the, the, the nuts and bolts of Hero. And I was just like, dude, I was blown away. I was screaming for my A&R guy at the time, Rob Stevenson. I was like, Rob, Rob, get in here. You got to hear this. So uh, we uh, messed around with it for like an hour or two and sort of arranged uh, the chorus and bridge and uh, all the parts and and got the harmonies down and everything and uh, who was going to do what and – since it was supposed to be a duet, you know, I'm from Memphis, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. So I'm from the, you know, Nashville school of, uh, you know, country duets where you do the first verse, I'll do the second verse or whatever. And so we hashed all of that out and it was just, it was an obvious, like stuck out like a sore thumb smash out of the park, you know, type thing. And uh, so we, demoed it that night 
and the demo, I thought the demo sounded as good as the finished product, but uh, it just really sounded good. And that was just, I think, uh, me and Chad and an acoustic guitar and a piano and a drum machine. And we just sort of threw together a demo and it was, it just sounded amazing. Um, Chad's a amazing producer and, uh, you know, just has really good footing in the studio knows his way around the studio really well. I just sing and write songs. I'm not a techie. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just, I'm just there to, to sing and write songs. Um, so it was a magical moment though. Like it's just one of those moments in your life where time kind of stops and everything goes slow, but then you go away from it for a couple of months. And the next thing I know, it was, it, it was blowing up. You know what I mean? It, it's sort of like, I'm sure actors feel when they do a movie, you know, you act in the movie and then you move on to the next project and you're busy, busy, busy. And then boom, it just exploded. And I was walking down the street in New York and people started pointing, pointing at me and I went, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, hero. And I was like, what is happening? And then I was in Spain not too long after that. And these little kids were chasing me down the street saying, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Senior Spider-Man. And I was like, this is awesome, man. This is just so cool. And another cool fact about it was Sony, I believe, was already going with a different single. And they were pressing CDs already. It was already being manufactured. And they literally... Remember how in the Batman movie back in the nineties, they're like uh, in that print song, they're like, "Stop the presses!" Stop the press. Stop the press. And they literally did that. They, Leor Cohen and all, all of them, literally called Sony and they were like, "Stop the presses! We're gonna go backwards and." and reprint this and Hero's going to be the lead single. And that's when I knew that this was serious because record companies don't waste money. They pinch a quarter till the eagle screams. (laughs) So uh, for them to to stop the press, the pressing of of that Spider-Man soundtrack and, and go back and then recut and put Hero on there as the lead single and go forward was just, I was like, okay, this is, this is serious. We'll be back after a quick break. If you love good music and good podcasts, you'll love Roots Music Rambler. I'm Jason Falls. My co-host Francesca Folinazzo and I talk to the singers, songwriters, musicians, and more in Americana, alt-country, bluegrass, folk, blues, and beyond. We share our own takes on the latest news in the space and recommend new music for you to explore every episode. Come get to the roots of the music you love. Find us at RootsMusicRambler.com or go wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Roots Music Rambler. Yeah, what, uh, I mean, it sounds like you kind of know, but Hero came out, they had Aerosmith record the theme song for Spider-Man instead and have a different band record the song Aerosmith was going to do to not, like, have them overshadowed. So you you eclipsed Steve, Steve and the boys. Wow. I, see, I didn't know that, but that's interesting because right after that, 
And you just answered a question for me because right after that, we went on tour with Kiss and Aerosmith in 2002, 2003. I remember because it was around the time Johnny Cash died. That's sort of the time marker uh, in my head. Um, and we were on tour with uh, Kiss and Aerosmith. And the first time I saw Steven, I was so nervous. I was just, I felt like I was going to faint or throw up or something because he's just such a hero of mine and um, just one of my idols, you know what I mean? And it's just surreal to be around uh, people like, you know, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry and Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. It, it was just surreal. I mean, it was so I finally got to run into to Steven Tyler. And the first thing he said to me was about Hero. He was like, yeah, it's great to have you guys on the tour. Welcome to the Kiss Aerosmith tour. We want to welcome you guys with open arms. And I just wanted to say you did such a great job on that Hero song. And I was like, really? I was like, wow, out of everything, he picked that out and uh, talked about it. But that answers my question because I didn't even know that they had – I didn't even know that that was the thing. I didn't even, I didn't even know they had a song up for that. That's crazy. Like you said, obviously Hero is unmistakably a hit when you hear it, so it doesn't surprise me, but I just, you know, cuz that's uh that's like Just Push Play era Aerosmith, so they're not they're kind of like on the the legacy tour. You know, they've already obviously super established themselves and they're kind of coming back around. So I thought that was crazy. Like, wow, they uh they were serious about that. That uh, I guess there was a lot of label politics and stuff too, because Roadrunner's a part of it, Sony's a part of it. In there, you mentioned an interesting thing that you keep time by certain events. I keep time by WrestleManias, and WrestleMania 18 is the same month as this song comes out, and Saliva plays Superstar at WrestleMania 18, which was super sick. And of course, Saliva's like the WWE house band for like two years. But uh, <laughs> did you ever get to work directly with uh, Jim Johnston? Oh, yeah. We love, I just love him to death. He, he's the king of the riff. You know what I mean? He's the king of that. And uh, he has like that cool, Memf we call it the Memphis bounce. That. He, he was just a king of that type of bounce. And um, he totally got us, and we totally got him. Um, and we were able to work with him. Uh, I think we did a song for the Dudley Boys called Get the Tables. And we did a song for, we did a Chris Jericho um, and uh, Batista. We did, uh, I did the uh, the come out song for Batista, which he still uses, which is so killer. He came out uh, at the last WrestleMania to uh, to the song, and he has like kept it all these years. And I was just blown away by that. Uh, so it was really fun to work with 
with Jim on the Batista song, uh, the Chris Jericho song, the Get the Table song for the Dudley Boys. There was a lot of stuff going on when we went to the WWE headquarters and uh, they gave us a tour of the whole place. And um, uh, I walked in and they were doing a recording session. They were like, come on in. We're, we're doing a recording session. We want you to hang out and watch what's going on. And they had this guy on the phone on like a Zoom type thing. They had that guy on the phone that does a uh, in a world where, you know, does all the movie, <laughs> does all the movie things. They had that guy on the phone and uh, he was doing all the promos. He was like, Monday night. This Monday, will chaos and mayhem continue to rule Raw? The axe has done it again to the McMahons. You'll pay for the whole scene, but you'll only need the edge. And I was just like, what the f I was blown away getting to watch this guy work. And he's like this older guy with a cane and he's just sitting in front of a mic in a studio and they're feeding him the lines or whatever. And he's just like, you know, Sunday night. I'm just like, I was, so I was blown away by that, but getting to tour the compound and everything and, uh, uh, getting to hang out with, uh, Jim was amazing. Yeah, he's a he's a legend for sure. And I mean, growing up in Memphis, were you into wrestling when you were coming up? Oh, yeah. I tell people all the time when you grow up in Memphis, Tennessee, there's three kings. You got Jesus. The king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. You ain't nothing but a and Jerry Lawler. And uh, those were uh, the main stable of my wrestling diet growing up, man, was going to WMC TV5 and watching wrestling on Saturday mornings, man. And if you showed up to the studio uh, when I was a kid, if you showed up to the studio, they, they welcomed you in to be a part of the studio audience. So I got to meet, I guess I was probably 10 years old, 11 years old. I got to meet like Randy macho man, Randy Savage and, um, all these different, uh, and Jerry Lawler, of course. And, uh, all these different wrestlers, man. Uh, and it was just, it was like, you know, it was cause Memphis is kind of like Hollywood for wrestlers almost, you know what I mean? Cause you see these huge, stars to you coming and going, you know what I mean? And it just really affected me. And I was like, I want to be, I want to do, I want to do that. I don't know if I want to be a wrestler, but I want to be famous like that. I want to do something significant with my life. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to uh, just go to work at a factory and be a nine to fiver. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I just wanted to do something extra like they had done and you know jerry lawler has been really supportive uh, of saliva and 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 uh really cool to us coming up you know what i mean he would get us tickets to go see uh smackdown or go get us to you know get us passes or whatever to get into the wrestling events so uh, growing up with him 
was an amazing opportunity to get to see what it's all about. Yeah, that's really cool. And they always say that all wrestlers want to be rock stars and rock stars want to be wrestlers. So you kind of somewhere in between there. And actually, uh, Macho Man is in Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, this is the Macho Man Randy Savage, a.k.a. Bonesaw McGraw, doing the Spider-Man movie right over here. So that leads me to my last question to you, that uh, did you get to do anything cool involved with the movie? Like, at a, did you go to a movie premiere or anything like that or anything involved with the film itself? No, I didn't. I, I um, was we were so busy at that time and touring and and uh, doing videos and being pulled in every direction. I always wanted to to get to go to a premiere of a movie like that, but that just didn't happen. Um, I did, however, get to go to the American Music Awards uh, and the Grammys and the MTV video music awards. And I got to take my son, uh, Cody, uh, who just passed away this past year of COVID. I got to take him on his 11th birthday to the MTV video music awards on August 29th. It was his birthday. Uh, and we won an MTV award for hero that night. And then, Later on, like I said, we went to the American Music Awards and it won for, I think, Best Soundtrack or, or whatever at the American Music Awards. And then uh, I got to go to the Grammys, but I didn't get to go to the Grammys where it was actually nominated. It didn't win the Grammy, it, but it was, of course, amazing to even be nominated or have my name on anything that was nominated for a Grammy. Um but I think Bruce Springsteen won that year for the one of the uh, I think it was up for like three Grammys. Bruce Springsteen swept those Grammys that year. But of course, just to be nominated. I mean, once you're nominated, you're the 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 Grammy nominated right. Chad Kroger and the Grammy nominated Josie Scott. So I'm a I'm a tourist, so I love stuff like that. Yeah, man. I mean, it's really cool. This song uh, you kind of touched on at the beginning is um, was such an interesting thing, because at that time, saliva has, you know, your disease and click, click, boom. You're kind of like rap rocker guy, you know, but then you become like legit <laughs> songwriter um, in the eyes of a lot of people. And I don't know if a lot of people remember, too, that this is not too long after 9-11. So like your line specifically, the um, someone told me love would all save us. You know, a lot of people kind of related that to that those events and kind of a. Uh, took some some comfort in this song in general it hit when people needed it yeah it was uh oh man it was such a uh, it was such a sad time when that happened um we were i was in new york city that night i was in new york city at an island def jam party and uh i remember because it was at this small club or whatever and Gwen Stefani was there and I was just like, I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like, <laughs> like I've become a total nerd around beautiful women, dude. I have no game. And Lior Cohen kept saying, come sit with us. Come, you sit beside me. You sit, you sit beside Gwen Stefani. And I'm like, no, 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 please. No, please. No, 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 no. It's, it's not, no, no, I'm, I'm not good at this. Please. He's like, no, you come sit. And I was like, yes, sir. Because, I mean, 
Leor's like an Israeli special forces soldier. So when he says something, you, you, you tend to do it. So, and he's the boss. I go over and like I said, I like, I don't think I was getting oxygen to my brain at that point. Uh, I started to see spots, but I made myself, I forced myself to sit down beside Gwen Stefani. And then Leor and all his buddies get up and leave. So it's just me and Gwen sitting there. So now I'm actually hyperventilating a little bit, trying to stay calm. And she's such a huge star and, you know, so successful and such an amazing artist and has such a beautiful voice. Well, she's one of those women that magazines and videos just don't quite say it with Gwen. When you're sitting six inches from her, it's just like, wow, dude. She's like uh, Dave Chappelle said, or um, uh, they were talking about Rick James having an aura. She has an aura, dude, and you can feel it and see it. We're going to hang out with Rick James tonight, you know what I'm saying? And he comes out the room, and I look at him, and I'm not bullshitting, man. I seen, like, like an orange, his aura or whatever. I, I seen She, It's like watching an angel walk around. She has just this blue, green, orange aura around her. And uh, I got to sit and talk with her, and she sort of made me uh, less nervous because we were talking about our, our mates and, uh, you know, talking about life and talking about our kids. And she calmed me down at that point. <laughs> and, um, but I was in New York city that night. Later on that night, after the party was over, I got into a car and went to our hotel in Maine to join the Godsmack tour with saliva. And, uh, the next morning I was in the shower and, uh, we is back when we used to share rooms. Um, uh, and I was in the, uh, Chris Dibaldo, my guitar player was in the room. We were sharing a room together and he's just beating on the bathroom door going, dude, you got to get out of here. You got to get out of here. And I thought like, I was thinking my kids, I was thinking, you know, something awful's happened to my family. Uh, so I, grab my basketball shorts and put them on. I still had, I remember I still had soap running down my body and I come running out of the shower and I was like, what bro, what? He goes, look at the TV. And I turned and I'll never forget it. And I looked at the TV and just, <laughs> and I, he goes, we're under attack, bro. He goes, we are under attack. America's under attack. And I, I was just, I just sat on the end of the bed and I forgot that I was dripping water in soap and I just sat there catatonic and I just couldn't talk. I couldn't talk for a long time. And it was just, man, it was an awful day, just an awful day. And I remember uh, later on that night, or actually it was the next day, I believe, when we were about to start the Godsmack tour, I got a call from, uh, I believe it was Rob Stevenson, and he said, you need to sit down. And I was like, oh, God, dude, what is it? You know what I mean? Because there was bad news coming from every direction at that point, man. You know, um, we were worried about the people at our record label, like Rob Stevenson and Lior Cohen and Julie Greenwald and all these people that we had gotten so close to. Uh, we were worried about their safety because they're right there in the heart of New York City. 
and we were worried about friends that uh, we had some friends that worked in the windows of the world restaurant, which was on the top floor of one of the towers. And we were worried about them and couldn't get in touch with them. Nobody's phones were working and it was just horrible. Um, And he's like, you need to sit down. And I was like, dude, just tell me, just tell me what it is. And he goes, they're going to take click, click, boom off the radio. And I said, what? He said, yeah. He goes, they have a list of songs that can't be played anymore. And at the top of the list was let the bodies hit the floor and uh, click, click, boom. And I just kept saying, why, why, you know, click, click, boom is about the click of a pen and, and, staring out my window watching my friends play football and 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 be young kids and me sitting in my room at my mom's house writing songs and dreaming about being this person and uh dreaming about reaching people someday with music and being able to touch people's lives and help them get through whatever they're going through and um it's about dreams and aspirations and and it it just didn't, none of that mattered. You know what I mean? Um, and it made me think back uh, to our producer at the time, Bob Marlette said something to me that changed my life. He said, Josie, we don't have the pleasure of explaining ourselves to the audience. And, and you don't get to say, but it's about this. You know, you don't get any buts or, or ands or in that situation. And uh, they took Rage Against the Machine off the radio. Um, it was just a whole slew of, of, of beautiful music that came out at that time. And at that point, I just felt, I don't know, I just felt snake bit. You know what I mean? I just felt like we couldn't do anything right. You know what I mean? Um, and it really bummed me out. But uh Right after that, the Godsmack tour started and Godsmack did something extraordinary the night, the first night of the tour, like the first week of shows on that tour. First of all, they canceled for like a week. And then we started uh, at the end of that week and they started every show with all the bands on stage holding hands. And we had like a moment of silence for all the uh, policemen and firemen and all the people that were affected by the deaths that happened, uh, that day. Um, and, and I thought that was just amazing, uh, for, 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 uh, Sully and the guys, uh, to, to, to do that. I just thought it was so special and so sweet of him. You know, when you're on tour with these guys, you only see them rocking out on stage. So you don't really get to see the, the tender heart of who they are uh, or whatever. And getting to see that side of Sully and the, and the voice from Godsmack was, um, was amazing to me. It really moved me and touched me. Uh, and we all needed that. You know what I mean? We were all scared and sad and traumatized. I mean, it was a traumatic thing, you know what I mean? To go through and to be a part of.
Thanks so much to Josie Scott for talking to us today. Hit him up on Instagram at Josie Scott and tell him you love him. And if you don't want to tell him that, tell him I love him. Go to JosieScott.com for tour dates and merchandise and go see him in person and tell him you love him. July 8th in Pocatello, Idaho. July 9th, 2022 in Boise, Idaho. And if you're in Boise, stop by the Guru Donuts, okay? Have a Katy Berry. It's fantastic. Bring me one. Bring me two. Josie will be playing all the hits of Saliva along with Brett Scallions of Fuel fame. Playing all the hits of Fuel. Fuel fame is a little difficult to say. Hey, uh, I played a radio festival once with Fuel when Brett Scallions was the singer. And between every song, he'd go, ha ha, yeah. So let me know if he still does that. And uh, just as importantly as all of that is Josie will be reuniting one time only with Saliva at the Blue Ridge Rock Festival this September. So get your tickets for that, blueridgerockfest.com, probably. That sounds like a URL, right? A uniform resource locator. Hey, here's some resources you can locate at Meet Me Pod on Instagram. Follow me. Find out what's coming up on the show. Look at some pictures. Watch a video. Meetmeep.bigcartel.com. Buy a t-shirt. Patreon.com slash meetmeepod. Listen to exclusive episodes. Listen to them early. Listen to them late. Do whatever you want. But in the meantime, what I'm going to do is be Ryan Rainbow, because that is me. This is Meet Meep, and yes, that's the best that I could come up with. Bye. Bye.